this morning by just sharing with you a study that was done in 2015 that revealed that 38% of men have forgotten their wedding anniversary. How about that? Now, now I heard of what over here? That would be Miss Diana Hudson. Okay? For those of you who don't know. And I would imagine that that what probably represented that she's probably shocked that it's that low. <laughs> she's probably thinking, surely it's got to be 78%, right? But that's what the study revealed. Now, here's what's interesting, ladies, before you get ahead of yourselves. That same study also revealed that 30% of women also forgot their wedding anniversary. So how about that? All right, so now we are humbled just a little bit, right? The point behind that is there are some things that are so important that they must not be forgotten. That's the point. There are some things that are not to be forgotten, correct? And when we forget them, what we're doing every time is we're sending a message. And that message is never good. That message says that you and who we are together in this relationship are not important enough for you to remember. There are some things that are not to be forgotten. So I'm here to share with you that we're not the only ones who take offense to being forgotten. We're not. We can tend to think that way or view it that way, but that would not be true. Before Israel entered the promised land, God issued some warnings to them before they did that. And this is why you have the book of Deuteronomy in your Old Testament. And one of those warnings was not to forget him and what he had done for them. They were not to forget him and what he had done for them. And as much as we choose to get personally offended and even hurt, when someone forgets our wedding anniversary or forgets our birthday and, and we just take that so deeply personal, we can so easily forget God and all that he's done for us. We can do the very thing that we are so put off by that was done to us. This is reality. And so Thanksgiving holiday naturally lends itself, or it should, to us considering the numerous blessings of God to us in our lives. Right? It's, just, it's, it's a natural time to do that, but as we know by now, students of Scripture, that Thanksgiving for us is every day. It should be. When you think about who God is and all that he's done in our lives, how could every day, how could every moment not be Thanksgiving? So as brothers and sisters, we have to remember that those blessings are countless. So my heart today is just to take a short detour from Colossians. We'll get back to chapter 2 next week. But I want to take a short detour today, and I want to just challenge you from Deuteronomy chapter 8 about three dangers of forgetting God. And these are very dangerous. It's important for you to know that these three dangers are domino in effect. In other words, one leads to the other. But here's another thought that you're going to see as well. These three dangers, what you're going to see is, is they actually increase in severity. In other words, when you find yourself forgetting God, where this leads you, where it takes you, it gets worse and worse. It's very, very dangerous. 
So, despite all that God had done for his people, they forgot him at times. And so can we look at Jeremiah 2, verse 32 in your notes. It says, can a man, I'm sorry, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Now, a bride would never forget those things. Out of the question. I would say uh, nearly an impossibility. But God is far greater than those things, yet his people had gone days without number in remembering him. And that phrase, days without number, it's referring to the 55 years of the reign of King Manasseh, where during that time, God's people had forgotten him as they immersed themselves in idolatry. Long time. And of course, we're not that bad, right? I mean, we, I mean, that sounds really terrible. 55 years of paganism, idolatry, and disobedience, that sounds awful. That's not me. I would never do that. Listen very carefully, though. In order to forget him for 55 years, you have to begin with just one day. 55 years starts with one day. That leads to another day. That leads to another day. And before you know it, now you're talking weeks, months, years. It happens. It can happen. But we give our attention to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And through Moses, God was preparing the second generation of Jews that had been born in the wilderness. God was preparing them to enter the promised land. They were right on the cusp of doing that. And God's heart for them was not to repeat the failures of the first generation before them that died in the wilderness in disbelief and disobedience. And so in warning them of this, it is here that we extract these three dangers of forgetting God. We begin in verse 10. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Now, right away, we observe what should be the proper response every single time to the blessings of God. This is to be the proper response every single time to the blessings of God. Then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. To bless the Lord is to kneel in adoration before him. So let me ask you rhetorically, when is the last time that you have been on your knees in adoration to God for his blessings in your life? When is the last time that you've been on your face before God giving him praise and glory for his goodness? God, thank you. For Calvary. Lord, if that was the only thing you ever did for me, I would still be indebted to you for all of eternity. God, thank you that I slept in a warm bed last night with sheets next to my wife, next to my husband. God, thank you. know, listen, listen, God forbid, I, I'm not boasting at all, but listen, every morning, it is a blessing to get up and to 
at some point see everybody get up and get after it. And it's like, Lord, how about that? Lord, we have coffee to drink. Lord, we have breakfast to eat. Lord, we have a walk-in closet that we can walk into and we've got options. Do I want to wear this shirt? Do I want to wear these pants? Do I want to wear these shoes? Thank you. Lord, we walk into a garage and we got vehicles to choose from. We walk into the kitchen and we open the fridge and there are choices to make. Lord, we got leftovers. You know what leftovers represent? Leftovers represent how much God has blessed you. God, you have blessed us so much that we have food left over. When is the last time you've been on your knees? Thank you, God. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving to him. In Egypt, the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. In other words, Deuteronomy 8.10 was not their experience in Egypt, was it? <laughs> Far from it. But once Deuteronomy 8.10 became their reality, their response should have been to bless the Lord. To bless the Lord. That should have been their response. Your life should be a life where you are constantly blessing the Lord. One of the signs that you have forgotten him is you're not doing that. You're not. We continue in verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Now, Moses is going to build on this in terms of what we see here in verse 11, because obviously it ends with a colon. But it is here in verse 11 that we encounter this first danger of forgetting God. And it is a danger. Forgetting God leads to inattentiveness towards God's word. Forgetting God leads to inattentiveness towards God's word. As we see here in verse 11, the warning was not to forget to keep God's commandments, judgments, and statutes. It's God's word. And that word guard, it means to, that word keep, it means to guard or attend to. This is how you can know, this is how you can discern when you're starting to forget who God is and what he's done for you is your attention to his word begins to wane. Uh, your, your quiet time becomes inconsistent. Right? You, 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 you sit before him on Monday, but then for some reason life just gets so busy and happens and uh, God doesn't see you again until Friday or Saturday. And we, and we can begin to put that together over a period of time where, if we're honest, we can look back and say, you know, for the last five years, that's really been my life. I am up and down, in and out of a regular devotional time with the Lord. Even sitting in church, I'm, I'm hearing God's word, but I'm really not listening. My attention to God's word, like, okay, can I just tell you? Listen, and this is so, okay, 
You're like, if you offend me one more time, talking to me like you're talking to your kids, I'm going to run out of here. I'm sorry, but I have to. <laughs> I was talking to my kids recently. I was like, listen, and, and, and they understand, and this is not a problem, but it was just a need to remind them. I'm like, listen, when you're in the service and the word of God is open, there is to be an attention to biblical detail. You're ready. You're not checked out. You're not on your phone messing around. You're not zoned out somewhere. Like, God's word is open. And you're ready. You're ready to get whatever God has for you. You're not distracted. You're, you're not thinking about lunch or the chiefs or any of that. God's word is open. And so you come and you have your Bible open or your device or whatever you're doing and you have your note. All of that is worked out beforehand. You're attentive to the word of God. Right? You don't wait. You, I mean, every week we kind of know what's happening, right? We know what's coming. When Sam gets up, it's not a comedy act. He's not going to entertain, right? He's going to open that book. You got to get it. So, we cannot remember God without being attentive to His Word, and we cannot forget God without becoming inattentive to the Word of God. That makes sense? That's how it works. This is why it is so very dangerous to quench the Spirit, because Quenching the Spirit of God always leads to forgetting God. Every time. When you quench the Spirit of God, it leads to forgetting Him. Before Paul would come to Timothy in Ephesus, consider what he commanded Timothy to do until he got there. 1 Timothy 4.13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That phrase, give attendance, means pay attention to. What Paul was saying to Timothy was, Timothy, pay attention to the Word of God. Be attentive to the Word of God. Do not become inattentive to the Word of God. That was the command. For Timothy and for us. So until Christ comes, what is it that we're to do? Pay attention to the word of God. Be attentive to the word of God. Now, this might sound overly simple. Until you compare scripture with scripture, because you got to understand, and I think you know this by now. You understand there is a lot of competition for your attention. Do you know that? There is a lot of competition for your attention. From the moment you open your eyes until you close them, there is a war for your attention. Consider Proverbs 7, 24 and 25. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways, go not astray in her paths. Solomon's focus here was to his children to listen 
Attend to the words of his mouth, not the words of the strange woman. See, all of us are going to give our attention to someone. All of us are. We're going to give our attention to someone, to something. The question becomes, who are we going to give our attention to? What are we going to give our attention to? But we're going to attend to the words of someone every time. That's just how we live. So here's what I've always found very interesting. What I've always found very interesting is that believers today can go days without number and forgetting God. Days. Where literally you can see believers put together uh, a rhythm where they're basically in and out, more out than in of church for years. They'll flirt with it. They'll have seasons where, man, they're locked in and they're focused and they show up and they're here. And then you'll look up and they're gone. No explanation, no conversation, no discussion. They just vanish. And then life gets really rough and they start tasting the consequences of their disobedience. Then they come back, oh God, help me, help me, help me. But you know what's interesting? During that time when when believers forget God days without number, you know what they don't forget? They never forget to watch TV every day. They never forget to check Facebook several times a day. They won't forget any of that. But it's forgetting, it's remembering God that becomes this tremendous challenge. It's interesting. Now, when we choose to become inattentive to to God's word, here's where it goes. Verse 12. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end and thou say in thine heart my power and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth so we see in this we see the testimony of God In terms of his blessings to them, look at it. Uh, They had eaten and were full. They had built goodly houses. They had herds and flocks that multiplied, silver and gold that multiplied, and all that they had had multiplied. And then we have the testimony of God at work on their behalf for his glory. He brought them out of Egypt. He led them through the great and terrible wilderness and all the challenges that came with that. And he fed them in the wilderness with manna. Now, as faithful as God was, and as great as God was to them, I find it interesting that verses 14 and 17 are even necessary. 
When you consider all that God had done, do we even need verses 14 and 17? You, you would think not. Why would God have to say, then thine heart be lifted up and, that, and thou forget the Lord thy God? How could you forget God after all that? That seems like that should be impossible. Could I really forget the God who has been that good to me? That has blessed me like that? And verse 17, And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. No way. I mean, do you really think that, that they could have been that stupid? Pardon my, my speech, but I can't think of another word. That they would have been that stupid to think that all that had happened was because of them? That just seems impossible to me. But they were necessary, and they are necessary, because here's the second danger. Forgetting God leads to ungratefulness towards God's works. God has done so much. And we've just become ungrateful toward all that he's done. Proverbs 26, or Psalm 26, verse 7, David said that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. We are to be thankful for the works of God. What has God done in our lives? We are to be thankful and we are to publish that. Man, let me tell you how good God has been to me. Let me tell you what he has done. They're not to be forgotten. This is what God Israel, Psalm 78 verse 11, and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Verse 32, for all this they sin still and believe not for his wondrous works. Listen, it's a sad day and something is significantly wrong in your life. When the works of God in your life for your benefit have somehow gotten off your radar. where you actually need a day like Thanksgiving to be thankful. Now, what is specifically said in verses 14 and 17 show us why the sin of ungratefulness is so dangerous. Ungratefulness is associated with pride. That's why. Ungratefulness is associated with pride. That's why it's so dangerous. And when you look again, you look at there again, verse 14 and 17. Then thine heart be lifted up, pride. Verse 17. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand, pride. Pride. After all that God has done, well, let me explain to you how this all happened. It's because of me. It's because of me. When you compare scripture with scripture, verses 14 and 17 only amplify the danger of ungratefulness. 
Because when we look at what God said to Lucifer in Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 13, what did God say? For thou hast said in thine heart. What did verse 14 say? Then thine heart be lifted up. Verse 17, and thou say in thine heart. See how dangerous this is? Ungratefulness is very dangerous, and you need to understand that it is highly offensive to God. If you want to offend God, you want to insult God, pardon my speech here, if you want to spit in the face of God, you just become ungrateful. And you will have done it. Because ungratefulness is an accusation against God. What it says to God is, you have not been good enough to me for me to be thankful. And God can just respond by saying, "Uh, please just check out Calvary. Was that not enough? It's highly offensive to God. And it's something that as Americans, we are so very vulnerable to because... We're so materialistic. And we have to have so much. And we're always preoccupied with what we don't have. That we forget all the blessings of God to us. Lucifer was anointed, was the anointed cherub, but I guess that wasn't enough. He wanted more. Can you imagine who he was? Where he was? What he had? What he had been given? Before he fell? But for him to say, well, no, I I want more. Led to a fall. Please, hear me. Be careful with always having to have more. Be careful with always having to have more. I've got to have more. I, I, I need more, and it's always, it's always carnal things. It's always physical things. I, I just, I got to have more. I, I got to have a bigger house. I got to have a newer car. I, I, I got to have a newer wardrobe. I, I, I got to have, I just got, I got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. Because ungratefulness always leads to a massive fall. It always does. Ungratefulness always leads to a massive fall. Remember, we said that ungratefulness is associated with pride, and it is. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. The pride and ungratefulness is always exposed When we come to the place where God's blessings are just not enough. God, you just haven't done enough. That's very prideful. This is how we can go from, and if we're honest, we've all been here. This is how we can go from receiving an incredible blessing of God today. To on Tuesday being discontent about what God hasn't done for us. Or we can forget that past. Just like that. Where God can do the most incredible thing. And it wears off in hours. 
And we're right back to, okay, well, now I, I need you to do this and this and this. God's offended. If I can say, more than a few American believers think and act like spoiled brats. That is the truth about Laodicea. Rich and increased with goods, always got to have more. What's the next thing I got to get? What's the next thing I got to acquire? Again, we're going to get to parenting in Colossians chapter 3, but I just want you to know, parents, the trait of ungratefulness in your child, when you see that, you must consider that like a sensor going off very loudly. Very loudly. When you see in your children that things are expected, they're not appreciated, things are owed, when you have to remind your children and prompt your children and beg your children to say please and thank you, they're letting you know that they're sick spiritually. That's a very dangerous trait to see in a child because of where it goes. And if you fail to address it, if you fail to correct it, if you fail to draw the line and say, hey, that stops. What you're doing is you're setting them up for a massive fall. Because that's where ungratefulness goes. They will treat their salvation lightly and they will view the blessings of God as owed to them. So all these good things, all these blessings, I think it was Sam a couple weeks ago, he was talking about, he asked his father for an allowance and his dad was like, well, let's talk about that. Right? I mean, you want your kids to get to the place where they too are thankful that they can get up and, and that they had a warm bed to sleep in and that they have closets and they have clothes and they have food and all of that. They should be thankful. That's not owed to them. That is provided to them by the gracious, good hand of God. So if you see that in your child, I would begin stressing the importance of being thankful, I would begin begging and praying God to break their hearts, soften their heart, that they become thankful. But here's what I would also do. You know what I would also do? I've done this. If, when you see that, particularly in young children, you know what you do? You start slowing down the gifts and the privileges, if not freezing them. Uh, we had a Christmas, it's been many years ago now, this hasn't happened since, and I don't think it would happen again, but one of my children uh, was not pleased with the gifts, plural, they received. They were expecting something else. As I said, that was the last Christmas that happened. Uh, let's just say some things went into the garbage to make a point. No, these are all blessings. This isn't your day. This isn't about you. You say thank you and praise the Lord. That's how this works. Now, I want to ask you a question. A serious question. Are you a high-maintenance person? Are you a high-maintenance person? Maybe I should ask your spouse... Are you a high maintenance person? 
A high-maintenance person is someone who requires a lot. They typically require a lot of attention, money, gifts, and effort. Having been around this type of person, they tend to be, listen, very hard to please. And no matter what you do, it's never quite enough. Yeah, that's nice, but... You know, I, I really would have appreciated it. I mean, I really, I, I like it, but, it, you know, if only it had this. That's a high-maintenance person. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm instantly convicted, okay, so let me explain. <laughs> All right, let me explain. So I had asked Lori, she's going to the store, I said, listen, I said, do you mind getting some Splenda? The Splenda, it, it has a way of bringing out the the smoky flavor in coffee. Okay, so, um, to, to her credit, praise the Lord, she, she remembered and she bought a different pro product. And it's one of those, okay, here we go, we talk about not quenching the spirit, right? Obey the first time, every time with a happy heart. So what is the Holy Spirit leading me to do? you the first time, this is not even a conversation. What I should have done with the stevia is, oh, praise the Lord, thank you for remembering. I didn't do that. I can be high maintenance. The theme in the life of the person who's high maintenance, what their theme is? Their theme is this, what have you done for me lately? That's their theme. That's how they roll. What have you done for me lately? Their memory is very short, including with God. You do not want to be a high-maintenance person because, listen, a high-maintenance person typically is an ungrateful person. They typically are. And an ungrateful person is incapable of having a right relationship with God and with others. They are. Because you can never please them. God can't. So by now, the dangers of forgetting God ought to uh, have a very sobering effect on us. But as we wrap up here, we're going to take it to another level, beginning in verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. 
And it shall be, if thou do all, do at all, forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. We say we go next level here because we're seeing where forgetting God takes us and how God ultimately responds to it. It's very severe. Here's the third and alarming danger. Danger three, forgetting God leads to ungodliness towards God's way. It leads to ungodliness towards God's way. Psalm 77 verse 13 says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary, who is so great a God as our God. So that phrase, in the sanctuary, refers to a sacred or consecrated place. It was translated over 300 times as holy in our Old Testament. God's way is holy. That's his way, always. God is holy, 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 but forgetting God led his people in another way. They walked after other gods, served them, and worshipped them. Ultimately, ultimately, absent repentance, when we forget God, we are heading into idolatry. This is serious. If you do not repent... When you forget God, be not mistaken, you are heading for and into idolatry every single time. This is where it takes you. Consider Hosea 8.14. For Israel hath forgotten his maker and builded temples, and Judah hath multiplied fenced cities. But I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. Israel, the northern kingdom, before they fell to the Assyrians, they built temples. The problem was they didn't build them for God. They built them for their idols because they had forgotten God. Judah, to the south, they built, they, they built fenced cities. Why? Because they were trusting in those things for protection, not trusting God for protection. Whatever... You forget God, it leads you into idolatry where you begin to worship and put your faith in things other than God. Every time. Now, before we, <clears throat> excuse me, water this idolatry thing down to an Old Testament thing, the Apostle Paul would say, not so fast. Because he said in 1 Corinthians 10, 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from what? And he has something very critical to say about it in Colossians chapter 3, which we'll get to as well. But idolatry is far from an Old Testament thing that only the nation of Israel was to be concerned about. Now, despite the heavy warnings given in verses 19 and 20, ye shall surely perish, so shall ye perish. Clearly, they did not heed those warnings. Because history shows, as we just mentioned, that the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrians and the southern kingdom fell to the Babylonians. Why? Because they forgot God and would not repent. 
it always leads to a massive fall when you forget God. Every time. Now, to ensure that we properly examine ourselves in this, here's how you can know if you're vulnerable here, if not in trouble already. Listen very carefully. As American believers, we are very vulnerable here. We are. You see it in Deuteronomy 8.14 about our heart being lifted up. But he goes on to say, And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. I'm going to give you two obvious signs as we close here. Two obvious signs that we are in danger of forgetting God or we've forgotten him already. You ready? The first one, we see it in verse 14. We just read it. We have become mundane about our salvation. We've become run-of-the-mill. We've become so normal, so ordinary, so, oh yeah, yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, God did that for me, man. I'm cool. I'm, I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I've been made to sit together in heavenly places. And yeah, every time we, we do the Lord's Supper, I do think about it then, but Your salvation has lost its luster in your heart. It's lost its shine in your eyes. You've just become very mundane about it. It's as if God owed you salvation. It's as if God had to come down, become a man, go to the cross, die for your sins, be buried, and raised again on the third day. Well, surely God had to do that. No, God did not have to do that. Because he's a God of love. Mercy, grace, and compassion, and long-suffering, and, long, and kindness. God did that. Not because he owed it to you. This is an issue that we have as American believers, where everything is owed to me. God and everybody is indebted to me. We've become mundane. This is If you have become mundane in your salvation... That's a problem. It's a problem. Here's the second one. We are taking credit for God's provisions. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath got me this wealth. Verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Some of us look around at what we have and go, well, let me explain. See, I, uh, I'm a graduate of the University of, of Kansas State, and I got a degree in marketing, and I've worked very hard in my career, and I've built my career to be able to provide for my family. And I've, I've, I've gone on to get an MBA. And I, I'm responsible. It's because of me. It's because of how hard I've worked. It's because of how smart I am. It's because of how good I am. Listen, I'm telling you, I know what you're made of because I'm made of it too. And my flesh whispers to me too. If we're honest, all of us at times have to fight not to read our own press, don't we? There's always that part of you that just whispers and says, Man, look at you. Check you out. Good job. 
just thank you. See, you have provided for me. You have given me what I have needed to be able to work, Lord, and to be able to provide for and take care of my family. It's only because of your goodness in me, to me, and through me that whatever I can look around and say, I get it, yeah, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, but God, I can't work unless you bless me to do so. God, I'm not taking credit for any of this. Amen? Father, thank you for this space. Thank you for allowing us to spread out more. God, it is comfortable. And God, we do thank you for it. God, as we have sat before your feet, we pray, God, that we will receive what we heard. Oh, God, let us not forget you. In Jesus' name, amen.